You're listening to the Wrestleville Podcast, and this is Cyrus the Destroyer. Welcome. You're listening to the Russellville Podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Berry, and my guest this episode is Cyrus the Destroyer, professional wrestler, 14 years, correct? Yes, sir. Thank you all for having me. Hey, man, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. So I was doing a little research, came across your name, looked up your record, and thought, wow, this guy is a beast. <laughs> I appreciate it. I- that's why I strive to be as a beast, <laughs> the uh, number one name in wrestling. Well, talk to me a little bit about your career. You've been wrestling for 14 years. Uh, we were talking off air a minute ago. You've been to Japan six different times. Obviously, you're doing something right that they want to keep on bringing you back, right? Yeah, I, I feel it too. Like uh, I think in my earlier career, I didn't start out the right way then. I got the nick for it and got around the rock people and learned how to perfect my craft. And Japan was like, we like that craft, and they brought me in. And go ahead, uh, you're, you said you're 370 pounds. How tall are you? I'm a 6'5". Okay, so, six yeah, you're a big dude. Yeah, a little bit of a big dude. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. You, you wouldn't intimidate me at all, but you're a little bit of a big dick. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. Just small guy in a small world, right? <laughs> right. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, what would you compare your wrestling style to? Uh, I would I would honestly compare it to like older school, like Bam Bam, Vader, you know, guys like that. I, I watched a lot of them, lots, a lot of, watched a lot of Brody Lee, uh, Abdullah things like that and and brought it in and wanted to incorporate that into the new style of wrestling so and then also with japan i wanted to bring strong style versus uh with american style of wrestling and if i can incorporate both as something different no one's ever seen how would you compare your first visit to japan uh to your last what i I would imagine there was some kind of a learning curve, right? Did you feel a little, do you feel a little more comfortable now that you go after you've been there half a dozen times? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Like, you know, the first time it's like, you know, you go there and you don't want to offend nobody and you're thinking, golly, are, are we going to be able to do the same? Are we going to have the same mindset for a match? And now when I go there, it's, it's what I've learned is uh, between America and Japan, we all uh, can read each other just as well. Like wrestling is an international language that everyone knows. Like if you're a true, if you're truly a, a pro- professional wrestler, you know each other, and that that's what makes the difference. Right, right. What was one of the main things that you had to come accustomed to uh, to wrestling in Japan? Was there something that they did over there that? you might have not been used to doing or what was what was the the thing that you thought oh okay this is what's different from wrestling in the states so uh, i would say it would be when i went over there i was like do you want me to work baby or heel and they were like no cyrus you're monster you work monster not baby or heel you're just a monster and i i think taking that mindset into it 
that that's what was the big turning point for me that I loved so much about loved so much about Japan um, because they didn't need me to act like a heel or act like a baby. They they just wanted me to go out there and be destructive and and be a, a true monster and a beast. <laughs> and were you able to incorporate that mindset and bring it back to the states? And yeah, yeah, for certain. Like you know, many times here in the states, you know, I've I've worked for many promotions. They tell me to go out there and be a heel, and I I do the same monstrous gimmick, and whether I'm heel or baby. And it gets over with the crowd. So some people love it. Some people hate it. And, you know, that's the joy of it. And I think that's what makes me different between a lot of people now. When you go over to Japan, uh, how long do you think that you, what was maybe your longest stay over there? Uh, my longest stay was three months, three months straight. Yeah. So it was a long time. You get, you get lonely. Like, especially if you're the only American at that time, I think, um, that's when Japan was first coming off of, uh, lining up the COVID restrictions. Uh, so they were able to get me over there, but no American, no other Americans were allowed at that time. And I had to go through a bunch of special stuff to be able to get over there. And then when I got over there, I was, you know, I was one of the very few foreigners in Japan wrestling. Read stories of Dusty Rhodes, the Von Erichs, Scott Casey, Sergeant Slaughter, Roddy Piper, Mr. Fuji, Ron Bass, Bruiser Brody, Mike Davis, the Grappler, and many others. And I guarantee you one thing. Then it'll be the best dad gum read you've had in a long, long time. Get your book today at Russellville.com or on Amazon. Russellville, it's where wrestling lives. It's almost like solitary. <laughs> well, yeah, I would I would imagine if you if you're you know, I know they speak a lot of English over there, but if yeah. you if you don't speak their language and you don't know anybody, what are you going to do? Just walk up to a complete stranger and say, hey, man, you want to hang out? They might, that just might not go over too well. Right. And, you know, I think that's what kind of helped me out because I've always been a people person. I'm able to uh, strike up conversations with just about anybody. And uh, I, I made sure to, uh, to fit it in that I learned some Japanese uh, enough to get me by. And I think that helped me a lot too during that time. Right. And my understanding, you grew up in, in the state of Georgia, right? I did. Yes, sir. Spent, spent a lot of time there. So uh, going going to Japan from Georgia, I mean, a huge difference, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I would say so. Like, you know, it's a culture shock. Like every the, every way we do everything here in America, you know, Japan does a lot of things different. There's, uh, you know, the respect, like, and some of the things I see in Japan, like, I, I see kids walk to school by themselves. You know, we don't even see that anywhere here in America at all. Like, we we know the dangers and all that, but in Japan, no, it's 
they, they don't have a warrior that because it's a whole respect thing and the laws. <laughs> right, right. Well, we used to do that in America. But well, you're right. We did. We did. And at some point, something changed. I don't know. I, I don't ever get in all that crap, but <laughs> we know something changed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because I, I remember, you know, um, I'm a little older than you and we used to walk everywhere and we'd go everywhere and we'd, you know, go into town and walk five miles and go to school and stay <laughs> out late and come home when, it, you know, I mean, our parents, uh, had this idea of, they knew where we were at, you know, we'd tell them, Hey, we're going to go here. And they'd say, well, if you're going to go somewhere else, call us, just let us know. And, you know, if, if you were out a little later, they'd come and find you. But yeah, I have my I have my nephews. I go with them everywhere, you know. Ten to yeah. thirteen, I was like, "Dude, you're not going by yourself." Let's go. Right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. I get it completely. Yeah. Well, sad. It's where we live in now, <laughs> right? <laughs> I I guess so. I guess so. So going back to Japan, you know, were there any uh, uh, any other? cultural, um, I guess, uh, differences that you, you know, you, you had said something that you, you wanted not to offend anybody. Um, did you find that it was easy to do that just by living what, you know, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think by just going over there and showing respect, like showing respect for their land and their country and understanding their ways. Um, it was completely easy because they wanted to respect me too. And they wanted to make sure that I was okay. And I think that at the end of the day with that, that's what was so amazing. And that's what's still amazing about Japan because they always ask, are you okay? Um, do you need to see a doctor <laughs> after a match or something, which, which is amazing. Um, but, uh, and just their kindness, their kindness for, the well-being of people is truly amazing. Oh yes, yes, I've, I've I've heard that, and I also heard that their streets are very, very clean. Uh, super clean, super clean. Like, you know, even you go to downtown Tokyo or Shinjuku at night, and it looks dirty, but when you wake up in the morning, the streets are as clean as all. Like, you couldn't even tell anybody had been out all night. Uh, and it, it's amazing, like how much pride they take into that. I, I think it's amazing too, like the pride of, like you know, where I stay, we separate, you know, cans, paper, and trash, plastic, like everything is separated. And you know, that's a, that's a big difference there because they're they're really big about recycling and giving back to the world. Yeah, where where we talk about it over here. But yeah. there's not a lot of action behind it. Isn't that, isn't that what you see? Yeah, I, I yeah. think we just get, uh, what is it? Uh, we get used to, uh, yeah, complacent. We get used to just doing the same thing every day. I, I think I heard, I think I heard a long time ago. I heard a story. You know, it, it only it takes so many times before my habit, but to to get away from that habit takes thirty straight days, something like that. And once you do that, you break that habit and you can get into the better thing. Right. And, and, and the thing that that's really so amazing about all that is 
just about everything you buy here in the States has recycle on it. Please recycle. It does. It does. Ain't that crazy? And then, and then like, you know, and I'm guilty of it too. Uh, we'll take that can. We're like, I'll just throw it in this trash can. Who cares about the other band? Like, you know, and we do that. Right. And, and it's bad, but, you know, we, we could learn a lot by doing, just taking those extra steps. Oh, you yeah. deserve. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, talk to me a little bit about the crowds, the crowds over there, because, you know, uh, I've heard that they're, they're quiet, right? It's describe it for me. So, you know, the first time I went there, that was before COVID and they were quiet. And it, the, the culture shock there was when he did something well, whether who was working, he wore a baby, you would get the clap of their approval. And once you got that clap of their approval, you know, that meant everything. And then they started getting more vocal. So, um, I think it's funny. Like they, they, they consider it such an art and entertainment factor that they don't want to take away from it by cheering out loudly. But now like they're more into cheering and it makes you feel even better because if you get the, the clap and the cheering, it, it's amazing. So when I was over there right after COVID with all the restrictions, you know, they would say, do refrain from using your voices. Everyone had to wear masks and all. And, uh, instead use your hands to cheer. And, and it was great. And I remember I hit the moonsault, uh, in a match while I was over there in a super eight. And when I hit the moonsault, uh, the crowd actually broke through silence and cheered like they came out and then everybody got real quiet again which which was like truly amazing and i was actually honored with that like that i was able to bring that out in people to make them be like oh man i can't believe he done it right and and that's really the the whole key right is fan reaction or or some kind of a response or a connection right with the people yeah, I feel like every every time you're in a show, whether it be in the States or in Japan, it, it's interacting with that crowd and getting them invested in your story. Like, don't just go out there to do a match and do your things and get your stuff over or whatever. You, you need to get the crowd involved and get them invested in the story. That way it means more. Like, I, I tell people all the time, you, you can go out there and do 100, you can do 100 spots. And the crowd can go, ooh, ah, ah, whatever. But if you get them invested and you only do maybe three spots, one big spot, they're going to remember that more than a uh, hundred things you did. Right. Well, they're still talking about what the match with uh, the Rock and Roll Express and who was he, uh, New Jack and, you know, where Rick <laughs> Martin <laughs> reached out into the crowd was like, help. Me, right and, and there's still people still talk about that we're talking about it right now yeah you know that's that's the moment right there like right. That, that that's what they do itself like could anybody else say anything else that happened in that match like at the beginning or whatever before that spot like nobody uh, and that's what you want to create in wrestling i believe right and and yeah and he was probably just laying on the ground selling it right and yeah, amazing. And and you know, I talk to wrestlers all the time and you know, that's you know, that's what they that's what they strive for. Uh, that's what they that you know, um golly, man, you know, 
I remember Skandar Akbar. I've talked about this on the show before. Skandar Akbar burned Iceman King Parsons in the face. I, I think it was either on Christmas or Thanksgiving. I can't remember. It was. It might have been Christmas, but it was a holiday show. And man, I cried. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And this wasn't recent. Uh, just for the audience, that was a very young. <laughs> however, yeah. yeah, I mean, it got it got me, man. Yeah, for real. Like, and and, uh, and that's what we do strive for in wrestling. Like, I feel that there are true professionals that want to make a career out of wrestling and do it in a business. Uh, that's what you do strive for. You strive for those moments, those like oh god moments, or I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. You know going down the road when you came back from japan and and after you went one or two times what do you what do you think uh what do you, what do you think maybe the difference in your game was did, did you did you notice a difference in the way you moved or you know the way you carried yourself anything like that yeah i think honestly that uh i got more confident in, in my skill set and what i was truly meant to be as a wrestler like, uh, you know, I would say, you know, some wrestlers, they go about it differently. Me being a big guy, I was always like, I, I can't do anything like all these hot flyers are doing, like all the cruiserweights and stuff like that. And you, you keep trying to push yourself to be more like that because you're not doing that. But then you realize, oh, no, you're you're a different character altogether. And it helps you remember that when you come back to just be yourself and and do your thing and people will love it or they won't and at the end of the day okay whatever if you don't like me someone else will right right so i noticed also too on your record that you had uh wrestled a few matches or a couple matches in aew yes sir yeah i did any any other big companies like that here in the states that you might have wrestled for? No, I, you know I only had that that chance with AEW a couple times, done that, and then Japan opened up even more for me, so I started focusing more on Japan. You know, it, it's a funny story, and it's weird how the world worked. Um, before before my first Japan trip. Um, a week before I was supposed to have a tryout with WWE and I tore my bicep completely out of my right arm It uh, completely separated from my forearm, rolled all the way up to my shoulder. Had to have surgery in two weeks, did my recovery, got in touch with WWE and they were like, we're not looking for you right now. Like then, you know, it, it's always a timing thing. Then, you know, I had a friend tell me, Hey, there's a tryout for Japan for Wrestle One. You need to come do it because they're traveling everywhere, and you can come give it a shot. And so I done that, and Sonny Ono and Kazahashi uh, picked me out right then and there. Went, did my two weeks, and we all came back as a class. Like there was a lot of guys, sixteen of us, pretty much went, and I was the one that got the call back. And they, uh, after that, that was a uh, you know, I, I paid my way forward to get there the first time. And then after that, every other time was, you know, Japan's brought me out there, not me. Right. 
Right. And and I've heard some guys do that, you know, that they kind of bet on themselves and, you know, hey, this is this is my golden ticket. This is my one shot. I'm going to give it, you know, and it, a lot of times it, it does. It opens that door. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, you know, I, it, it's funny, you know, I heard Al Snow, what, he was doing a seminar one time. I love doing seminars. Like, I know some wrestlers hate it, whatever. They're like, oh, it's the money gimmick. No, if I can get a chance to learn, I'll learn. And Al Snow, he did a seminar and we're sitting there. And he's like, hey, who would give me $100,000 to get a tryout with TNA or, or whatever, or Impact? He's like, who would give me a tryout? Who, who would do it? And I raised my hand. I was like, I'll do it. And, because no one else would raise their hands. And he looked at me and said, why? Why are you going to give me that? And I was like, I see myself as an investment. And I feel at the end of the day, like, if if I give you that hundred grand, that means I'm betting a lot of money on myself to come in that company and make a lot of money for you. And if I get that shot, I know I'm going to get a lot back than a hundred thousand dollars. And he loved it, and, you know, and it felt great. <laughs> yeah, good answer, right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, because if you're not going to believe in yourself, man, right? Hey, yeah, yeah, I <laughs> In my earlier career, I I didn't believe in myself at all. I always I always beat myself up and everything. And it, it got under the wind of my shoulder, you know. I I got I think I got with the right person that was pushing with my wife, and uh, and she pushed me in the right directions. And you know, after that, it's been surreal. Like, and she's always stayed in front of my dreams, even though I have to leave her for so long, so many times. She's still always there for me. Right. Well, yeah, that's that's good. You know, it's yeah. good to it's good to have the support, you know? It is. It is. It is for real. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right now, no big company in the United States is is calling. However, if you were to wrestle the rest of your career going back and forth to Japan, not a bad gig, right? Exactly. Yeah. I'd love it. Yeah. It'd be amazing. Like, I mean, be able to go, you, you know, it's great. I get to tell people all the time when I go to Japan, I'm famous over there. Like, I have people come up to me asking me for autographs, all that. And then I get away from it when I come back to America. <laughs> right. So, you know, that, that's cool. But, you know, if, if a big promotion gave me the opportunity here to show my style and, and get it going, I, I wouldn't be willing to do it. It, more times than not, like I mean, I, I love performing. Talk to me a little bit about some of the promotions that you do wrestle with here in the states. Um, you can go across the United States where you wrestle war in your home state, but when you're not in Japan, where do you where do you like to work? You know, really, I, I think uh, when I, when I'm not in Japan and I'm taking time off or whatever. We do uh, like Southern Honor Wrestling. That's out of it's based out of Canton, Georgia. Anybody ever want to check that out? You know, IWTV. They they put on a great promotion. The uh, the talent's top notch. The um, the video is amazing. Like the way they can produce everything. It's it's top notch. It's top tier stuff in my opinion. I, I do Titan Championship Wrestling. They're out of they're based out of New Jersey. So I, I go to New Jersey. Uh, every other month or so and, and do this for the Titans. 
Then I go to Louisiana with like BIW. Uh, I've been part of Wildcat, AML wrestling. Like I just, I, I really try to venture all over. Like, I, I don't have like one home set favorite place. Needless to say, um, I like getting out everywhere. Uh, just uh, getting my face out there and making sure people remember me. Right. Well, great. I would imagine that's not too hard. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's the thing of uh, creating a following. Uh, you know, some of the best advice I ever got from a, an older veteran, he, he looked at me and said, you know, there's a lot of people that want to be a big fish in a small pond, but there's not a whole lot of people that want to be a, a big fish in a big ocean with a lot of other big fish. And it made sense. <laughs> So, yeah. you know, I take that terminology in different ways than everyone does. I took it as, uh, yeah, I need to go out there and, and play with the big boys and and see the different styles of wrestling. That way I can perfect my craft even more. Right, right. Yeah, and if you're if you're wrestling the same same people, you know? Yeah, same style, and it just it gets... It gets basic and it stays the same style over and over and over. But if you've been different areas and then, you know, two different guys come together that have two different styles and then be like, hey, I saw this here this one time. So let's try this. And that's what makes memories. Oh, yes. Yes. Do you have any aspirations to go to other countries other than Japan? Or is there anything on the, on the, in sight? You know, I don't know why it is, but for some reason, I've always wanted to be in uh, Australia. Like, I've always wanted to go to Australia and wrestle. Uh, I've got Canada coming up. I've already booked that uh, promotion out of Canada. Booked me with that. So, that that's a great thing. Um, but if I can get to, get to Australia, because I have a friend named Hartley Jackson that uh, <laughs> um, he's in Japan right now. We've talked about it and all that. And he says that he thinks I would do really good in Australia. So if I can get that moment to go, uh, it would be amazing. Oh yeah. Well, that would be, that would be a good person to, uh, you know, to help oh, you yeah. get there for sure. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. When you, when you're over there, do you work with him or against him or? No, you know, it, it's funny, like he works for a totally different promotion, okay. but it just, it just so happened that friends that wanted to get together and take us out to dinner, you know, I met. And after that, we struck up a conversation and actually became good friends. You know, he, he looked, he looked at me and he was like, he was like, oh, you know, and, and his Australian accent he's like effing amazing. But you know, he used other words, of course. <laughs> And he, he was like, he's like, you're so big. <laughs> uh, and then after that, like he and I just struck up a whole conversation, became good friends. He's a pretty big guy too, though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think what freaked him out is like, I think it was the way I towered over him. <laughs> but that, that's what really got him. But then I think he looked at my arms because, uh, my arms are, are legitimately, uh, right at, a little over 24 inches around. Right. So, <laughs> I, 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 so I, I think that was the, the culture shock there. Like how I got so big. 
you know, and he's been over there for a little while, right? I mean, I've seen him yeah. over there, and I've I guess I've followed him, and I've actually reached out to him, and me and him were in contact for quite some, I don't know, several weeks, and yeah. uh, trying to set up an interview. Of course, there's this huge time difference, right? And oh. he uh, eventually says, hey, hey, me, right now is not a good time or something, so we... It, yeah, I just yeah, I just kind of let it go. Yeah, he's he's been there over a year now. Okay, uh, he he's basically living in Japan right now. So, what do, you, what do you think it is about his his style and and his his performance? Oh, he just he looks. If you look at it, he looks psychotic. He so, does, and, and you know, and everybody loves it. Like they they love that style. Uh, he he brings that same kind of bruiser stuff into the into a match with that hard hitting, and people love to see it. You know, it's something different, right? Like he, he only got one Harley Jackson, so <laughs> right for a long time he was uh, one of the NXT coaches too. That's right. So yeah, so you know he's he's made that name for himself, and he's a he's a smart dude. <laughs> Yeah, who else is over there? Uh, do you see uh, Rocky Romero? Any? No, no, not really. Uh, most of the time when I'm over there, I'm, you know, I, I'm in the dojo, of course, but I'm around like Yoshi Tatsu and Tajiri and them guys like that. You know, and it's amazing to be around them a lot. <laughs> right, right, all right, man. So, uh, what where do you see yourself? say within the next five years or where would you like to be in the next five years? Charlie, I would say like within the next five years, I would, I would love to have the, uh, triple crown championship. There's only a handful of uh, Americans that have ever had uh, a chance to hold that title in Japan. And I think that would be something amazing. That that's the one. <laughs> And and are there any any uh, wrestlers that stand out in your mind that you'd like to work against? Oh, are we talking about America or Japan? Where are we talking about? Anywhere. So I, you know, I tell everybody it's, it's like a thorn in my side. Kento Mahara, um, I love working him. I've only got to work him twice. I'd love to work a storyline with that man. I think. Uh, I tell everybody, if you look it up, if you look him up, his work, he's probably one of the best professional wrestlers in the world. I think he's probably, in, in my opinion, I think he could outdo a lot of people. And just the, how passionate that man is, um, I would love to work a series with him. Hopefully it'll come to be soon. Hopefully. <laughs> All right. Where can fans find you on social media? Man, you know, you can find me on uh, Instagram at the Monster Cyrus, uh, Cyrus McCorder on Facebook. And then uh, it's also Cyrus, the Monster Cyrus with uh, Twitter. You can, you can follow Cyrus on any of those platforms and be awesome. All right, man. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I've enjoyed our conversation. It's been a lot of fun getting to 
to know about you and your career. So thank you for giving me the time. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me on your podcast. Thank you. Yeah, anytime. Anytime. Yeah. You're listening to the Russellville Podcast, where wrestling lives. Read stories of Dusty Rhodes, the Von Erich, Scott Casey, Sergeant Slaughter, Roddy Piper, Mr. Fuji, Ron Bass, Bruiser Brody, Mike Davis, the Grappler, and many others. And I guarantee you one thing. Then it'll be the best dead gun read you've had in a long, long time. Get your book today at Russellville.com or on Amazon. Russellville, it's where wrestling lives.